evidence and answers. Many Christians today now believe homosexuality is an accepted lifestyle. However, the gay lifestyle is very harmful to the body. Also, redefining marriage will have a destructive effect on any society that does so. At our recent Evidence and Answers conference, Dr. Corey Miller presented the truth on homosexuality and the dangers of redefining God's design for marriage. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today we will be concluding a message entitled Marriage and Homosexuality, taught by Dr. Corey Miller. Now, here's Dr. Miller. We need to think about the rhetoric here. In uh, rhetoric is the art of persuasion, and it comes along with logos, ethos, and pathos. Ethos is something we derive our English word ethic. Logos is like logic, and when we think about Christian apologetics, oftentimes we focus on the logical arguments. But guess what? Some of the most persuasive things is the pathos, the passion. I know how you feel, Bill Clinton said, and he got reelected. Rather than putting Al Gore up there, who believed the same things, Somehow, Bill Clinton was like Elvis up there, and everyone just swooned when he said, I know how you feel, and everyone believed him. If you can put the rhetoric out there, if you can get the emotions and identify with the audience, you win. We need to be identifying in this way, not with just logos in our arguments, or ethos, credibility, and ethic, and character, but also pathos. A disclaimer, I debated, uh, my first debate was with a homosexual philosopher about 25 years ago, actually. And I remember learning something about that debate, and ever since then I've used this illustration, and I want you to remember it, um, about cocainophobia and homophobia. Let's assume you are a sibling, the oldest sibling in your family, and moreover, you have younger siblings, the second of which is addicted to crack cocaine. Not only that, he's selling the family heirlooms for drug money, and he's getting your younger brothers and sisters addicted too. Question, love is love. Is the most loving thing to do in this case to, dude, live and let live. Different strokes for different folks. Do you do you? I'll do me. That's your truth. This is my truth. Or is it, you know, his birthday's coming up. We live in a liked culture. Social media proves it. You want to see how many likes you can get. You know what's going to get you liked here. His birthday's coming up, and so you buy him a bag of cocaine to celebrate. Hate or celebrate. Would we celebrate? Is that the way to love? By harm? Or would it be because you love him? Wrapping your arms around your brother and saying, please, I love you. And because I love you, stop doing this. You're hurting yourself and my love, mom and dad, our brothers and sisters, stop it. Which one of those is the most likely candidate to be a real definition of love? Which are the ones that would be cocaineophobic? Now let's think about homophobia in a different light. What if Those who disagree with homosexuality do so because they are the ones that have compassion. We need to reclaim the rhetoric of compassion in this argument, and we do it by adding some information rather than the Bible says, because all truth is God's truth in nature and in Scripture, right? may take a little homework time for us, but we can do it, and we must do it. Homosexuality and the born-this-way argument, Lady Gaga, no matter if you are gay, straight, or bi, lesbian, or transgendered life, you are on the right track, baby, because God makes no mistakes. You was born this way, baby. Don't hide yourself in regret. Just love yourself, and you're set. The argument from compassion, the first part of it, theological. It's basically an argument I gave when that 
former pastor in my class charged me with creating a suicidal environment. Number one, and I'm going to do it four-pronged, homosexuality is ungodly, unnatural, unhealthy, and uneconomical. Homosexuality is ungodly, or I say ungoodly, because not every major world religion actually believes in God. For the first 500 years of Buddhism, it was non-theistic, right? Ungodly, ungoodly. Every major world religion either condemns or fails to condone homosexuality by virtue of a, a positive command explicitly or implicitly through the do no harm principle. The atheist textbook I had always said if there was an argument from harm that could be developed, that would be powerful. That's what you're about to see. The general religious stance might be the silver rule, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you, but that's not the best rule in ethics because think about this good Samaritan, you're walking by and you say, ooh, that looks painful, you better get a doctor, whoa, look at the time. Next guy does the same thing, the third guy comes by, and I don't care if you've ever read the story, ever heard of the story before, whether you lived 2,000 years ago on whatever continent you lived on, everyone's going to th see that story and think the same thing with the third guy he better do the right thing or I'm going to, you know. The right thing is to do something positive, the golden rule. Do to others what you want them to do to you. The Bible, we now see cultural rather than textual changes that explain the biblical justification of homosexuality. But the Hebrew and the Greek have not changed. And the original authors of the scriptures who were fluent and original language speakers knew it just as well as any scholar does today. But yet you have gay theology that teaches that Jesus didn't say anything explicitly in red letters, ah, but he inferred things when he went back to Genesis. And Jesus was probably gay anyway, him and John the Beloved who put his head on his chest. And Paul, he's just a homophobe. And besides those passages in the Old Testament, they were really about idolatry or a lack of hospitality in Sodom and Gomorrah. And then you have the Queen James Bible in 2012, which changed all and only those verses. It fixed them, right? In honor of King James, of course, who was allegedly bisexual. And so they fixed it. They're going after now the source of these haters in culture, the last holdout, the Alamo, the Bible-believing Christians. The argument from compassion now, nature's plumbing. I call this the plumbing argument. You can be an atheist and start with this argument because someone who defends the practice of homosexuality will not find comfort in uh, hospitality intellectually in theism or in atheism, in special design or in evolution. So for the sake of argument, let's just assume evolution is true. Evolution is about survival of the fittest. Nature selects, or Darwin's word was preserves, genes that have survival adaptivity. In other words, the ability to reproduce the species. Guess what doesn't have the ability to reproduce? So in nature, we have genotype and phenotype traits first developed, by the way, in a monastery by Mendel, a Christian monk who was the father of modern genetics. The genotype traits, for example, we mapped the human genome in 2004. Nothing has changed. Two years ago, we found in Science Magazine, second next to nature, a comprehensive case that there is no gay gene. What you see in the appearances is what you got in the DNA. And then there's the rhetoric. In the queer literature, they want to claim, I'm born that way. In the lesbian literature, they say, no, I choose not to sleep with the enemy. Naturalistic evolution, again, maladaptive behavior, moves to lack of reproductive finesse, moves to lack of natural selection. Nature would not likely select for genes which have no survival adaptivity, but furthermore, kill the practitioners. 
Third, orientation. Let's talk about orientation for a minute. People are born that way. They didn't just choose that. Look, we have these things called desires, called preferences, called attractions, called orientation. I don't just wake up and decide blue is my favorite color. I'm almost born that way. I just find myself attracted to it. And maybe in life I'll change and, and now red is my favorite color. But I didn't just wake up and choose that. Same thing with blondes. Or maybe I like Asians. Or maybe I like, you know, uh, four feet tall girls or something like that. I didn't just choose that. I'm going to decide today. Now, this is the way our desires work, is that we just move into this. And I just naturally seem to have this desire. Now, some of these are innocent. If I like blue versus red, that's not going to harm anything. If I like blondes, that's not going to harm anything unless that blonde is not my wife and I decide to pursue it. If I like chocolate, that's not bad in moderation, but um, give fat boy too much of this and I'm going to have to lose a 40-pound donut. I'm already on my way, by the way, 15 pounds last month. Too much chocolate. And then they give me cookies here, these evil people of this conference. Genetic determination are things like eye color, like skin color. I've never seen a black person turn white or a white person turn black. But I've seen gay people, bi people, go back and forth. There are these things called heritable traits. These are not genetic determinations that may, in a complex way, feed into these desires. But it doesn't mean there's a gay gene any more than there's a basketball gene. A trait, a heritable trait might be a gene that codes for me being seven feet tall. And now it becomes a heritable trait by virtue of the fact that I'm two feet away from the hoop and the four foot tall guy is not going to make the team. And because I'm now so good at it, I start to like it and do it even more. That doesn't mean there's a basketball gene. Desires for cheating, desires for pedophilia, desires for zoophilia, desire for sex with the dead. Do you know that crows actually have sex with their dead? I guess we ought to start practicing that. Oh, we have Marilyn Monroe. They opened up her grave. Remember that? We ought to just normalize it. Not normalize it. We ought to normatize it. We ought to say it's on par with every other good thing. To each their own. You do you, I'll do me. Love is love. Professor at the University of Utah, go Google. Go look at her TED Talk on, on YouTube. It's 15 minutes. Or look at her lecture at Cornell University, an hour long. She's one of the leading lesbian and feminist thinkers in the American Psychological Association. And she says, this argument from born that way is BS. She says this, Elisa Diamond is her name, as a community, the queers have to stop saying, please help us, victims. We're born this way and we can't change as an argument for legal standing. I don't think we need that argument. And that argument is gonna bite us in the because now we know that there's enough data out there that the other side is aware of as much as we are aware of it. And she gets right down to it. The bottom line is this, either we are a society that protects and defends all individual sexual autonomy or we are not. Well, Dr. Diamond, how about animals? How about sex with the dead? How about minor attracted persons? Either we are or we're not. Either love is love or it's not. Hate or celebrate on all of it. The argument from compassion on health now, the biomedical health, God or no God, rectal intercourse, and this is where we put on our adult hats. We're in health class now, okay? I'm going to be giving a lecture on just this topic to a group of MD students in Uganda um, in about a month. God or no God, rectal intercourse is shown to be harmful on both the penis because of fecal bacteria. There's good bacteria in the vagina, and there is just flat-out crappy bacteria in the anus. 
And it harms the insertive partner or the active partner or the topper, as it would be said in the literature, and especially on the rectum, on the receptive partner. Why? Think about this. How many in here were born of a vagina? <laughs> How many of you have given birth? A number of you have, and you probably, it was such a traumatic or a joyful experience, you remember the exact pounds of the baby or those babies. And some had the ability to pump out like a 10-pound bowling ball because there's this designed elasticity. If you had to defecate 10 pounds, that literally gives new meaning to rip you a new one. And that is exactly why the health problems start. Because the sphincter, the anal sphincter, a muscle, is not designed to stretch like the vagina. Vaginal intercourse is natural and vaginal birth is natural and it gives birth to life. This stuff gives birth to death. And it's not birth at all, it's a funeral. The anal sphincter is a delicate, easily torn tissue that can provide an entry for pathogens, many of them. And the mucus lining in the rectum is almost twice as thin as the double membrane lining inside of the vagina, making tearing and fissures more probable and places practitioners at extremely high risk of STDs, which is why the New York Times once said that the average homosexual male is a tropical island of venereal diseases. They die an average of 10 to 30 years earlier than the heterosexual counterpart. Is that love? Love is love. Now that you know the biomedical background, is it love? Not including AIDS, but now let's include AIDS. Estimated new HIV infections in the USA for most affected populations, this is a decade ago, White MSMs, male sexual with male is how the CDC defines it, MSMs, was 11,000. Black MSMs, fastest growing number, 10,000. Black heterosexual, 2,700. White heterosexual women, 1,300, et cetera. It's far, 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 far higher for MSM than otherwise. And one of the reasons is because of the anatomy and physiology of the anal sphincter and the extremely slim lining. It kills people. It destroys the immune system. The death rate of new HIV cases among MSM is 44 times that of non-MSM men. The death rate is approximately 20 years earlier. I took the happy medium between those. And think about this, the biomedical argument here from harm via rectal intercourse does not discriminate. This is not an anti-gay argument. It works equally true, truth is that which corresponds to reality, to a monogamous Christian heterosexual couple who practice rectal intercourse as it does with male sex with male. How can I be a homophobe when I'm telling Christian couples not to practice rectal intercourse? I tell my mother not to smoke. That doesn't mean I hate her. I do it because I love her. This is just the science. Shouldn't we listen to the science? It's also uneconomical. What do I mean by that? In 2015, the money spent for research and prevention, we spent 600, and think about this, economics, what is economics? It's the study of the allocation of scarce resources which have alternative uses. We, have, we have a limited pool of funding here. What are we gonna spend it on? $600 million for AIDS, HIV research with only 6,700 deaths. Breast cancer, by contrast, we spent less on with 40,000 deaths. In other words, why the discrimination against women? Why do they hate women? Hmm? You see the rhetoric here? 
You see the rhetorical posturing that we're doing now? Why is this anti-women? It's because there's truth and there's political truth. And the sacred cow of political truth, you don't touch it lest you get destroyed. A disproportionate amount is spent on the average HIV AIDS patient than compared to breast cancer patients, despite the fact that on average, only the former behaved in a way as to acquire the ailment. It's not like the gay gene made them go, Tom, let's go in the room tonight. Or Johnny, let's go in the room tonight. No, but the breast cancer patient didn't generally do anything. And yet we don't privilege them. We charge people for motorcycle riding, motocross. I saw there's a motocross place in here in Hawaii, and I didn't get to see it yesterday, maybe tomorrow. Jumping out of airplanes, which, by the way, I'm going to be turning 50, and I've got my wife's approval. I'm doing it. Smoking, other things. We charge higher insurance premiums. Why not this? Why not at least ask it on the forums? <laughs> no way. Why the discrimination against women? Why is it anti-women? Because the political truth. This is why J.K. Rowling, who's pro-feminist, gets lambasted when she takes on transgender because there's a pecking order of political truths as well. Our public system is designed so the people who work and pour into the system, like Social Security or Medicare, for many years before taking it out. But MSM leading to AIDS, HIV predominantly, the deaths issue low investment and high health care cost. They don't pour enough into it because they don't work as long because they die two decades earlier and they pull out a ton out of the funding. Hey, no one in here but us chickens. It's just two mutually consenting. No, it's not. Making it public policy where we endorse and celebrate it actually harms the culture as well. Bottom line, the Bible's right. God frowns on homosexuality because God loves gays. What if the reason why God said don't engage in it is because he actually had compassion? What if it's the other side that's homophobic? Love wills the good of the other. Rectal intercourse is not good. No biomedical practitioner is going to say that it is. And you can look in today's CDC, look up the statistics for yourself, and you'll see. Homosexuality, therefore, is ungodly, unnatural, unhealthy, and uneconomical. It's unloving, it's homophobic, and unfair to promote and to celebrate a public policy whose behavior is demonstratively harmful to both individuals and to society. One can tell the truth without love. You got the Westboro Baptist Church who says God hates fags. Number one, I'm not sure that's even true. It certainly isn't loving, and it's not going to get their desired conclusion. One can tell the truth anyway without love, but you cannot love without telling the truth. If you claim to love homosexuals and you remain silent, you're a homophobe. Well, what about trans everything? Was Lady Gaga mistaken about God makes no mistakes? Because tons of people now are saying I was mistaken. I will, I'm supposed to be a female born in a man's body. In fact, what you're going to see is today is Saturday, right? I self-identify as a 63-year-old Chinese female dragons, but only on Mondays. Don't judge. Identity claims and dysphoria are psychological. And the one who knows it is the one who has the lived experience. And somehow now we all come to believe it, but only limited. We, uh, I see where the logic goes with this, but something just tells me you can't claim to be a 63-year-old Chinese dragon woman only on Mondays. Why not, judger? Trans rights are human rights. So we have transgenderism as a euphoria, denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with their birth sex. We have trans ageism. Someone sued in court last uh, couple of years ago 
that they were really only 16 years old when they're, I think, in their 40s. Transracialism. Richard Dawkins, the avant terrible of atheism, got his humanist card taken away a couple months ago because he said, look, if transgender people can claim an identity that's not their biology, biology is not bigotry, by the way, then why can't white people claim to be black like Rachel Dolezal did, who in fact graduated from an all-black university, Howard University, and she was the president of the local NAACP chapter until her parents sent her pictures to the media that she's white. Oops. Transableism. You know, there are surgeons who will change your sex. They'll even cut off a leg or an arm or help you put liquid Drano in your eyes because you identify as a blind person, as a one-limbed person. Go on YouTube, look at the interviews of these people who have actually done it. It's psychosis, and yet we aid and abet. Transspeciesism, the unreal world in which humans pretend to be animals, claim that they are actually animals trapped in a human body, and they get plastic surgery. Oh, here's some pictures of reality. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. My statements about this are not theoretical. They are true in actual time-space history here. Up above left, you've got transgender. There's transageism. There's Rachel Dolezal, who got her hair permed and frizzed, took some tanning stuff, and started talking the talk, and somehow made it through Howard University and so forth until her parents sent that picture in. Here's some people that lost some limbs. There's a guy who got plastic surgery. This stuff's not just theory. Case study. David Reimer, I just read about this actually last week in a psychology textbook in its seventh edition that Indiana University uses. David Reimer was Bruce Reimer. No, not Bruce Jenner, but Bruce Reimer. Later to be Brenda Reimer, and then later David Reimer. He was born a baby boy, a twin, and there's his mom and his twin up there as they were growing up, and the circumcision went wrong, and his penis was destroyed beyond recognition. And the doctor, who is a pro-early transgender kind of a doctor, biology is socially constructed and so forth, talked the parents into a sex change operation. And they actually embedded female tools in anatomy and detracted from the male ones. Parents went along with it, but it didn't work. As they were growing up, she would take off her dresses, not like the color pink. And when her twin brother would not let her play with his trucks, she saved her money to buy a truck. By age 14, went into severe depression, suicidal uh, tendencies and so forth. Met with a, a doctor who encouraged the parents to consider a reversal. And so they did. And now Brenda had become David. And it was after that sex change operation that David's parents told him about what had happened at birth and at the operation. And now he's just angry at the world. He's angry at his parents. He, he's having a hard time living with himself. By the age 25, he got married to a woman who had kids in a previous marriage. He adopted them. He went public with it in the year 2000. 2004, he just couldn't live anymore, and he committed suicide. The problems of the Christian treatment of homosexuality, the bash approach and the dash approach. The bash approach is, well, is it love? Take our biggest Bible as possible and whack the homosexual over the head because God loves him. No. The Westboro Baptist Church is an unloving example, and yet we get guilted by their false behavior. Well, what about porn? Is the biggest problem in the church, and it may well be. And divorce among Christians, it's huge. It's a black eye on the church, may well be. But bad examples don't mean there are no good examples, and a black eye doesn't mean the log in the eye.
The dash approach. Well, let's just not say anything about it. There are scientific and theological truths here to deal with. Well, we're just not going to deal with those. Why? Because there's political truth, and that's much more important and destructive to my lifestyle if I'm on the wrong side. The Bible talks about Adam and Eve being created and two people living together in a natural sexuality, not just a traditional sexuality. The biology itself speaks of, and it's not a matter of bigotry. Biology is just science, and we should listen to the science. And moreover, we ought to listen to the scripture. Thank you. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. We have a wide variety of different topics that will make for an incredible conference series. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or even schedule a conference at your church or location, give him a call. That number in Hawaii is 4830586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to use our search engine for available resources. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So share our website with those around you. To keep quality broadcasts, like Pat's on the Air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to partner with us, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharan. Right, right, right.